Hello. My name is Alexander Joseph, and I write stories. These stories show up in the form of short stories, poems, novels, scribbles on sticky notes in the middle of the night that are unreadable in the morning. On this podcast, over the sound of the dog barking next door, of my roommate doing his laundry, of the heat turning on and off, of the sirens in the distance, I read some of the things I've written. This is American Wasteland. Hello. Thank you for tuning in to American Wasteland. Today I'll be reading the third part of my novella, or my travel novella, called Five Steps to Somewhere. This section is called Arrival. If you haven't already listened to the first two parts, I would recommend listening to them. Uh, Setting Out and Getting Gone, I think, are in that order. Um, And... Yeah, I just am really enjoying reading this book and kind of revisiting this road trip that I took three years ago now or two years ago. I think it was in 2018 in around March. So, yeah, a little bit longer than two years ago. And, uh, and yeah, so I just think that there's really something cool about looking back on something that I did, not via just my memories, but through my own words and you know I remember the trip and I remember certain aspects of it but I don't remember what I wrote down so it is kind of like doing the trip again in some ways and it's something that's sort of needed you know I've been debating with myself and with my family and with my girlfriend about going on trips to visit people during the holidays and during the coronavirus it's just sort of an interesting thing to be stuck in place in a way that we haven't been in a long time and I know that when we were in quarantine and everybody was kind of on lockdown in March or April whenever that was it just seems like things have opened up a little bit more since then but we are still sort of stuck in place and for a long time I I was traveling non-stop and now to be more and more settled in and then now having to be settled and not really having a choice or having to make a really hard choice whether or not to go somewhere is a huge shift. So, yeah, anyway, rants aside, I appreciate everybody who's tuning in and going on this sort of virtual road trip with me. And this one does get a little bit interesting because uh, some drugs get involved. So I'm looking forward to reading this. I haven't read this section in a really long time. The rest of this book I haven't read. I've read the first two sections a lot. For some reason, but I haven't read this part, so let us, without any further ado, get into Arrival, part three, or step three. Oh, as usual, there is a little bit of further ado. I'd just like to give a shout out to my sister who asked me, when is the next part coming out? Um, So just fun to feel like I'm getting to share my road trip experience with my family and uh, Thanks, Natasha, for listening, and I hope you enjoy this part. Okay, here we are. Step three, arrival. I. Arrival is a strange thing, in that there is not necessarily one definite moment when one actually arrives. 
Sure, you can say I got to this place at this time and thus I arrived at that place at exactly the time previously stated. And while that above statement would be literally correct, I would argue that there is in fact much more to arriving than getting to the place which you are trying to go. So I got to my friend's house after driving rather speedily for a solid 14 hours straight. But I didn't really feel as if I was truly yet arrived until we decided to go up onto the mountain. See, there is a point in every trip at which one realizes the reason why they, the traveler, traveled to the place they specifically went to. Now we've already broken down time and again the myriad reasons why I needed to leave the place I am from and in which I currently reside, but we have not at length really discussed why I wanted to go where I went. Obviously, I wanted to visit my friend, but there was a bit more to the story than that. To put it frankly, we had a tentative plan to go and do drugs in the wilderness. And so it was with the understanding that I was setting out to seek some sort of trippy spiritual desert enlightenment like the tribesmen and Bible writers of old that I set off on my trip. And it was only when we set out into that desert to begin what was in a lot of ways a search for what it is exactly that I was searching for that I felt as if I had finally arrived. I I. Let me start by saying that I dropped acid in the hills outside of Phoenix and survived. I had with me three notebooks in which I thought I would catalog my entire experience. As we came up, both literally up the mountain and into a high from the you-know-what, I began to log what I was feeling. I quickly realized once I was on a full-fledged trip that I was not going to be able to verbalize what was going on. During a long-winded diatribe directed at the unlistening ears of my also-tripping companion, I equated the foolishness of me expecting to be able to explain the immensity of the trip in a couple of notes to trying to measure in detail the complexities of a hundred-year-long life by writing down the goings-on in a single day. That's all to say that I was not able to write down all of the multitudes of things I was going through during the six hours we spent on the mountain. And although I am able to tell the story of what happened clearly now, there are some epiphytic realizations that I may never be able to actually verbalize or write down, and which exist as untranslatable feelings and felt knowledge within me. Below are the few notes I was able to scribble down before being rendered not mentally of this earth. The notes I took on this trip transcribed below are all I will say of my trip, for I find that words written or said or whispered or screamed have no way of describing the things I felt. 2a. The words found below are exactly as I found them in my little blue notebook. I have merely transcribed what I saw written there, and in some cases I am as unsure of what these things mean as you, the reader, if there ever is one, will be. I feel it important to share these things as they are part of my trip, both the literal trip, as in the drug trip, and the trip that I took that is the subject of this book. So without further ado, here is what I found in my notebook. 3.40 p.m. Took it. 3.42 p.m. There is still paper under my tongue. It is 102 degrees outside and incredibly bright. Waiting for the taxi to come, I can see 20 palm trees. 3.43 p.m. Getting into taxi, wearing my friend's hat, on which is printed number one. The hat is bright white and will most likely not withstand the trip to the desert without being tainted and stained by the red sand. 3.50 p.m. Our driver's name is Joe. 
He is chubby and over 60 and wears an old-school paper boy style hat. He has no idea where we are going, even though he has a GPS map to follow. He has a chuckle that makes me want to give him a hug. He tells us about how he and his grandson have been making smoothies together in the mornings. 3.52. We drove deep into the hills. Here there are cacti and there is dirt and little shrubs and a periwinkle sky. We said goodbye to Joe and he putted off in his old minivan with a wave and a big toothy smile. I wish that both of my grandfathers hadn't been respectively dead and disabled by the time I was born. 3.55 p.m. On a trail numbered 200 walking up into the mountains. 4.11 p.m. We have climbed up high and can see a valley in which is contained the entire city of Phoenix. We can see cars and trees and mansions and big office buildings shining below. It is 103 degrees outside. I am sweating and the air is dry and thin. Every crack and divot and striation and every rock seems to be accentuated. 4.25 p.m. We have found ourselves some thrones of rock from which to see it all. A motorcycle speeds in the distance. The heat feels good on my skin. My mouth is warm in a sort of happy, emotional way, if that makes any sense. My friend says he can hear everything in the world. 4.30 p.m.-ish. The wind is picking up and my hands are shaking slightly. Down below us, the palm trees that line the private tennis court of a massive mansion below us look more lush and green and sort of glowingly alive than anything I have ever seen. The wind flows by like fractured sheets of time. The rocks and trees and grass fidget. The mountains beside us look bigger and more complex than I can even begin to describe. Time unknown. Just because something looks dead, like some of these shrubs or rocks or dirt around us, is it necessarily so? Who is this tree beside us? Who are we to say what is dead and what is alive? What is dead is up to perspective. 5 p.m.-ish, 102 degrees. The mountain is patterned with groaning and contorting faces. I am seeing faces with their mouths open. Scream. There are faces in the rocks and in the clouds, and they are kind of melting into silent screams. Here in the notebook, there are four circles and the word wind. 5.11 p.m. The edges of my vision are moving in ways they usually don't. I feel like this is all either going to be so profound or just narcissistic and stupid. We are just jerky made for consumption by the world. Time unknown. You gotta have your groundings about you out here. Everything is so small and far away. The last thing in the notebook is a half-drawn picture of a face. I, I, I. I guess what I realized is that the things we had done in the mountain forever changed me while at the same time leaving me exactly the same and reaffirmed in my beliefs. I didn't know and still don't if that changing is going to feel as permanent and sort of all-encompassing as it does now. This feeling of being forever changed while still being the same old me is something I have only felt during one other experience in my life. I've been around the world by plane and across the country various times by car and have felt forever changed but have also remained me. This sort of self-discovery 
is that part of travel which makes me love to travel, and this feeling is in part what I experienced while on the drug. As soon as the intoxicant wore off, I started slowly seeping back into my body. I yearned to be back in the state of euphoric knowing and peace. There are times in my life which have been great and grand, and there are times that haven't. I think the whole experience up there with the mountains and the full moon and the city lights made me realize that I have spent much of my life searching for feelings I have once felt, but which I will most likely never feel again in the same way. This too mirrors my experiences on the road. As soon as my car is parked, as soon as I am not soaring down the road, as soon as my bags are set down on the hotel room floor, as soon as I am once again still, I yearn for the buzz of the road. I yearn for that freedom and that selflessness infinity given to me by the acid like I did for that of the road. Travel is its own drug, I learned, and I get as high off of it as I have anything else. IV. And isn't that so much of a journey, is getting there and getting back? Doesn't the actual arrival become almost arbitrary and not as important as how you got there in the first place? As we swooned and laughed hysterically like a couple of wild desert bums, we would often let out a whisper or a yell, saying to nothing and everything, perspective is the name of the game, man. Perspective is what makes friendship valuable because you are able to find someone else other than yourself with whom you can share things that you both perceive to be enjoyable. You perceive your friends as people who are important to you and about whom you care and they feel the same in their own way about you as you do about them. However, even if you have a verbal agreement that you are in fact friends, your understanding is completely unique and different than everybody else's. A trip, well an acid trip as well as a road trip, is exciting and worthwhile because it provides a change in perspective. Drugs are all about shifting your perspective of the world, so is travel. While the effects are meant to be temporary, the realizations that you have stay. Acid makes you see things that you couldn't see before. Alcohol allows you to sink deep within yourself. THC makes you laugh and relax in ways unlike anything else has the ability to do. Travel helps you find yourself in the world and allows you to see that there is so much more to the world than just you and what you know. In so many words, perspective is God, and thus it can be used to break down or build up the very things which we use to convince ourselves of our place in the world. Acid, a beat-up silver car, ayahuasca, peyote, an airplane, these are all vessels through which we can shift and grow our perspectives of the world. V. Now the comings and goings and specifics of what exactly I did other than the drug mentioned above are not necessarily relevant to this book, as I believe that it is more the traveling to and from and not the destination itself which has the biggest impact. For example, I was once in Istanbul and was going to a lecture. This was while I was in college. And this lecture was to take place at about 1 p.m. all the way across the city from where my friends and I were living at the time. In order to get to where we needed to be by the time we needed to be there, we had to leave our various apartments at around 8 a.m. We walked about half a mile to the trolley station. We then took the trolley to the Bosphorus, which divides Istanbul in two. At the water, we boarded a ferry, which took us to the other side. From there, we walked to where we could find a bus and got on. The bus took us as far as it could, and eventually we got off and into two taxis. There were too many of us to fit into one. From there, we rode in the taxis for about a half an hour, and finally we arrived at the site of the lecture. After waiting for around 20 minutes at the doors of the office at which the lecture was to take place, 
Our professor informed us that the lecturer had mixed up her days and that we were not to have a lecture that day after all. So we walked down to a cafe where we ordered some baklava and little cups of Turkish coffee. It started raining. Eventually, we walked through the rain to where the bus had dropped us off. The bus came and we took it back to where we could walk back to the ferry. On the ferry, we could see the whole city in all of its shimmering, wet, and ancient glory as we crossed over restless and unsettled wake back to the side of the Bosphorus on which we lived. From the ferry drop-off point, we walked to the trolley, which took us uphill, back to where we could walk to our apartments. By the time we got back to our apartments, it was after 5 p.m. We spent the entire day traveling, but upon our arrival, we realized that our whole trip had been in vain. But was the day wasted? I think not. In fact, this was and has remained one of my favorite days of traveling and frankly of my entire life. I'm not sure whether it was the complexity of our travel or the majesty of the city in which we were living, but I loved that day and look fondly back on it. But if one were to regard a trip as only the arrival at the destination and the time spent at said destination, then that day would be considered a huge failure. That day wasn't a failure, though, and thus I feel I've sort of proven my point. The Buddha summed this point up better than I ever can when he said, It is better to travel well than to arrive. V.I. And so we did a bunch of things and had a more or less decent time and got to catch up and eat good food and see a city to which I had never been. We got to laugh and gripe and go on about old times that seem much older than they actually are. We did the things we have always loved to do and we taught each other some new things. The destination of this trip proved to be a good one and I was happy to have arrived well. My friend and I hadn't seen each other in many years and it was important that we saw each other if not only for the purpose of reaffirming to ourselves why we keep in touch and why we are friends in the first place and frankly why we will most likely stay friends for the rest of our lives. But the days went quickly and so did the nights and soon it was time for me to leave. And so I did. I set back out onto the road without a second glance behind me to go back across the desert into whatever destiny and answers the road could hold. And to the reader, if there ever is one, I know this section was short and that most books about trips are maybe about the fact that the person who is going on the trip gets somewhere and that the bulk of that book is about where they went and that this book is actually more about the trip than it is where I went. So if that's upsetting to you, I'm sorry. But to end this section and to sort of justify the way that I'm telling this story, I'd like to fall back on one of the best writers I've ever read, Tolkien. And this is a quote that Bilbo says at the beginning of The Lord of the Rings. The road goes on, ever on, down from the door where it began. Now far ahead the road has gone, and I must follow if I can, pursuing it with eager feet, until it joins some larger way where many paths and errands meet, and whether then, I cannot say. And with that in mind, I set back out onto the road, not sure of what I had learned, or if I had really truly arrived, or if arrival is a process that I'll be going through for the rest of my life. Thank you for tuning in to American Wasteland. I so appreciate you supporting my writing. I am trying to write all the time, trying to submit, trying to teach and do everything I can to 
know as much about writing and reading and anything about the craft. And this podcast has really helped me to practice going through my own writing and also in terms of being able to share my stuff with people that maybe wouldn't read it otherwise. Um, And you, whoever you are, are part of that, part of my craft. As you can hear in the background, there's a siren and there's probably heat in the background as well. And that's kind of part of this podcast, the rawness. All of the stuff that is going on behind me and in my life is very much part of this and influences my stories and that's why I leave it in. And the music that you're hearing in the background of this part of the intro and the outro is written by my friend Cora Feeder, F-E-D-E-R. Check her out. She has great music, great folk music. And yeah, uh, I try to get a podcast out as much as I possibly can. It's around every two weeks on average. Um, We just reached over 4,000 listens. This is going to be dated pretty quickly because I think we're growing and growing. By we, I mean just me and uh, the American Wasteland SoundCloud account and the iTunes account. So thanks again for tuning in. My website is alexanderjosephwriter.com. I recently updated it, so go check it out. Send me a message. Tell me what you think about the podcast. Thanks again for listening, and tune in next time.